0: Mr. Yep. Yes, pop <laughs> Eat Dark and the little birds are nasty And I listen to them too There's two lonesome people in the whole wide world that's sea and in the mad and the moon
1: Hello Welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dan. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to talk about the future. Not just the future of the world. Even more important. <gasps> the future
2: of Arkham Horror the Card Game. I mean, I, I, I feel like I, I have to say, most of the time we record these episodes about packs that haven't come out yet. So really, pretty much every episode we do is about the future of Arkham Horror the Card Game. Just just throwing that out there. But this future
1: is significantly more important than the future that was last episode.
2: But the future of the past is the past of the future. So really, when you think <laughs> about it, it's all, it's all a circle, right? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. We,
0: <laughs> we always post these facts, these episodes, after the cards are come Clearly,
2: you should have gone to PhD school like I did. Or watched
1: True Detective Season 1. Yeah, there you go. But also, we'll be previewing the cards in the next Mythos pack
2: for the greater good
1: but i think first we're going to talk about the new faq which has some major deliciously spicy changes ben you want to start us off with the, on the uh faq train
0: oh I'll, i will i'll start off with the most exciting stuff which is uh minor text updates to some cards wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah lay it on <laughs> us ben we're ready all right everybody here we go <laughs> Uh no, actually uh, what I wanna talk about is they, they updated uh a couple of the scenario setup and resolutions. The most important one probably being the witching hour. Uh as uh like some solo players and uh people that play two player might be aware, uh it is actually possible uh in the printed version of Witching Hour to get a setup where you cannot actually win. It's literally impossible mm-hmm. to get enough clues.
2: Wow, so if you if you already have no friends to play this game with FFG just lumps <laughs> insult on top of injury by making it impossible for you to complete the game. Cool, literally, literally really good. You're, you're just stuck in the woods well, forever. Well, you could still
0: complete it. You would just get a. You just couldn't get a good resolution. You
2: know, you'd just be sad. Oh, okay, that's that's fine then. I mean, you're you're already sad. You know, it's fine. That's like, <laughs> oh, that's that's quite sad actually. Well, that's
0: good. The no, the main thing is that they just changed it so that you put uh, five locations to play instead of four which makes it so you can actually get it it rules out the possibility of getting zero clues from a location there's like
2: a certain combination of locations you could randomly get where there's not enough clues right
0: yeah Mm. and i think it was actually i think it was actually pretty likely to happen in solo and like kind of low chance in two player but impossible to happen in three or four player Hmm. yeah there's that and they changed they updated the wording a couple other things like boundary beyond and something else in oh
1: yeah they changed the dunwich investigators wording right the yeah, way that yeah. the way that the new multi-class cards work in them
0: yeah that was the, that was the other big thing i was going to talk about which is uh they clarified how the dual class cards work basically they work like you think they should and like all the rules they added are just confusing and weird uh <laughs> hmm. uh except Good. So it's like uh, basically, if you take an off class card, if you take an off class card, but it has your main class on it, it counts as your main class. Yeah. Otherwise, it takes up one, one deck slot, but only if you has the word other in your deck building, which every investigator has in their deck building, <laughs> uh, except for Norman, who's just a sad old man. Uh, <laughs> or Norman specifically, if he takes like a Mystic uh, Seeker dual class card. Then it counts as one of his offslot slot mystic cards. Mm. So he's uh, he's
2: he's the Eeyore of the Arkham Files universe. <laughs> his his a... is not is not enough. Look, look man, it's it's I can tell you, it is hard having this much knowledge stuffed inside <laughs> your brain. You know, but, it's a it's a burden. But if you're a absolute <laughs> yeah. alcoholic bum,
1: you can take whatever you want. It will only cost <laughs> one of your influence costs. Well there you go. But yeah. yeah.
0: Literally other printed investigator has like is the, at the end of the deck building they'll like, oh, up to X other of this qualifier card. And they like reworded all of the Dunwich investigators to more specifically say that. So yeah uh that was there anything else exciting actually
2: um, i mean i i gotta say it mm-hmm. none of this was really very exciting at all are you sure there wasn't something else in the <laughs> faq that uh that was that was a little bit more interesting mm, some deck building options stuff
0: i'm glad oh. you asked
2: dan <laughs>
1: because because i'm gonna start us off on the real exciting stuff oh is it the counting so, resources <laughs> oh yeah that sounds good <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, no, we no, no. have the
1: new feature of this game. This is the Renaissance of Arkham. This is <laughs> the taboo list. And this is basically a uh three or I guess it's 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 one big list with three subcategories where they modify some cards and they change the functionality of some cards, as well as introducing a ban list for some oh, cards. That's definitely not what it's called. Shh. I'm getting to the names. <laughs> so these three categories all will be changing um, the way that Arkham works kind of in the future. Note, big asterisk, it is not mandatory. So you can completely not abide by this. but
2: Unless you want to be cool.
1: Exactly. <laughs> but if you're cool, you will go abide by the taboo list. So getting into this. The categories they listed are kind of for for good purpose. I don't think one of them is going to get a lot of lot of uh, action, but we'll go through them. So the first category they introduced is limited. Uh, limited basically says that a specific list of cards has more, and, I, and this is what they refer to them as dots on them,
2: which is the little the, the little pips. You're definitely right? the only person that ever says pips.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, why are they called then? (laughs) It's because they're not. So they're extra dots showing the increased XP cost. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, and I think this was pointed out um, across across social media and stuff, that it's not actually increasing the level per se. It's just increasing the amount of experience that is required to put it in your deck.
0: Mm -hmm. I need to interrupt one second. Actually, in the official rules, they are called pips. It's just no one refers to them as that. That's that's on on the card uh in the taboo list it does say dots but on the in the rules for campaign play it does say uh it's uh, the cards level is generated by the number of pips well that's confusing we gotta we gotta give dane credit for that uh thank (laughs) you he's the correct terminology
2: congratulations Dane. but uh (laughs) but but, yeah but but, i mean what you were saying was it doesn't affect the level so if you were playing an investigator that could use up to level two seeker cards and there's a seeker card that is now cost more than two xp that's level two you can still take it even though it costs more than 2 XP because it's still level 2.
1: Exactly, yeah. So these cards are cards that might have been a little too good for what they were at before, or they kind of pushed out other options. And while we won't kind of provide a an exhaustive list of each of these things, some of them, like big ones like Machete, for example, is one of them. Elusive is another one that was put on the list, um, are cards that kind of existed in the core set and and um, as we moved through dunwich and carcosa and the forgotten age as cards that were just really proved to be very very strong and as more cards came out um, it they kind of just limited well why wouldn't why wouldn't i play machete essentially or why wouldn't i just use elusive to get to the end of this this mission very fast or something
2: it is kind of funny because i think that uh for the most part both on this list and the other list we're going to talk about later. There is a lot of common ground between this and the kind of ultimatums that our friend Graham wrote about, and we we had him on and did an episode of them a couple months ago that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So cards like, you know, Machete and Higher Education, we, you know, it, it was kind of like, I think, well-agreed in the community that these cards were maybe a little bit too good that they really were the only cards you'd want in that slot. But uh, some of the other cards, it's a little bit surprising. Like Switchblade Level 2, you know, certainly a fine card, but I don't really think it was good or anything. Same with like Scrapper. Like, yeah, Scrapper was all right, but was it really? You know, was it in every deck? Was everybody using it? But I don't know. I'm sure they had. a am sure they had reasons for this stuff.
1: Yeah. So it just makes the requirement to get them a little tougher, right? Because like Machete, you can't start with. Now you have to figure out a little better what you're going to be doing with your Guardian at first, and you can get Machete later if you want to.
0: <clears throat>
1: and and that's kind of really how that works. There are only six cards on there right now, um, so there aren't a lot of lists. Or uh, cards on there rather, but this isn't to say that cards that are exist now would not be included on this list later. You know, because mm-hmm. there might be cards that come out later that affect the functionality of the cards now that exist, which you know would warrant them to be put on this list or other lists as we get through them. Yeah, they right. definitely
0: mention that like this is like a living list that they will adjust. Uh, you know, as the card rule changes. Yeah, yeah, and this is definitely a different environment because of that. Interestingly enough. Uh, I'm not sure how this works with uh, Adaptable, because a couple of these cards are level zero cards. Adaptable just lets oh, you yeah. swap in level zero cards Ooh. with existing ones without paying any type of experience. I know people were talking about it I that. feel like the intent is that you maybe can't do that, but uh, <laughs> sure. if you want to be like, playing a <laughs> list of taboos, but oh, I guess I'll just uh, Adaptable in this machete for my Larry Anderson. We'll you know? find out
2: when the next FAQ is released.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so that's the first category. Uh, the next category we have is called Mutated, which is a pretty cool uh, flavorful thing. Um, but this is these are basically just functional erratas to uh, the cards as rules text. So these have additional or altered text, and these are cards that might have been problematic in one way or another. Not that they were too good or too bad, although that sometimes is the case, but sometimes that they didn't work as intended, or they they created something that was a horrible monstrosity that should never be in any game ever there's a very specific card that i'm referring to but there are cards that kind of blocked uh not not blocked fun but they kind of like there was a strategy that was forming around some of the cards that were very very that was very very strong they're kind of nerfs
0: so to speak to cards most of these cards are cards that we thought were like you just always put them in your deck because they are that good. Right? Some of them aren't, though. I said most of them. Some of them aren't. I mean, they are, like...
2: they mostly break into a couple categories. There's some, like Dr. Mulan Christopher, the Research King, who was just kind of too good. And so they added in errata if you choose to play with these taboos where you only get to gain a resource from him once per turn, basically. Yeah, he exhausts himself, right? And he's still pretty good. You know, you, you it's not that he's bad now, but it, it puts him more in line with where the other allies are. So some of For the sure. muta- mutations are like that. Others are, there's combos that are starting to take shape where you can gain infinite uh, actions or something like that. And there's a couple of cards (laughs) where it looks like they were eroded for that reason.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. And also notably, not even investigator cards are safe. The famous journalist Rex Murphy took a pretty big hit. And there are only seven, again, on on this list right now. And some of them um, are pretty big. But this list may grow. And I'm imagining it will to stop some, like, unintended use cases, right?
2: Yeah, notably, my my strategy of agreeing that Mark is overpowered but not really making a big deal out of it has worked, and they did not nerf Mark, and uh, he's nowhere to be found on this list of taboos. So. I was
1: definitely thinking on mentioning Mark, but I actually don't want them to touch Mark, so
0: please, <laughs> good job, Dan. Please edit this out. Yeah, you're gonna you have to edit that comment out, Dan. Otherwise, they could immediately uh, yeah, on maybe. This list. My <laughs> my <laughs> theory is that Mark uh, list, probably.
2: Mark felt the nerf bat approaching the back of his head. And just kind of took the damage like a tough guy, drew a card off of it, and then, like, fought back against the nerf bat with, you know, Homefront <laughs> or something. So, yep, you know, can't—it's really, you know, how do you how do you even nerf Mark? He's just too good. Yeah,
0: how do you how do you nerf a gun? There's I definitely ask. one card on this mutated list that very confused me why it was
2: added on here, which
0: is the sleight of hand basically doesn't work on two-handed weapons anymore, which was, like, a fun, weird combo, but uh, I didn't think it was actually that overpowered. <laughs> so They
1: called it Slightning Gun.
0: Oh. Yeah, but it just gave you like a couple extra ammo on your lightning gun, which,
2: and it, it probably wasn't just for the kind of realism reasons because then there's a lot of other things that they would also try to get rid of. So, yeah,
1: I mean, what's not enjoyable about wearing a trench coat and producing a trench coat or a um a lightning gun from your sleeve for a turn and then putting it back in your sleeve after you're done? Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, it was like extra mm-hmm. ammo. I don't remember. Slide of him makes it cost one or something, or is it free? I don't remember. But one. I don't, that one I thought was weird, but the rest of these made well, sense. Well, one for so. the card.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so that's the mutated list. I imagine that these two categories will see a lot of changes and a lot of and go through a lot of different um, you know, cards will go through here pretty regularly, um, in terms of, you know, I don't know how regularly regular will be, but there are seven and six right now um, on each of those. And then finally, there is the forbidden list.
2: Ooh. Which
1: are cards that Cannot be included in anybody's deck. But there are no cards on this list right now. I'm imagining that the only reason why a card would go on this list is because they are just so unbelievably incredibly powerful. Or they just overlooked something that Matt Newman, like, I don't know, stuffed into the package and nobody else knew what it was. So they just kind of wrote it up as a card and that was that.
0: I imagine he does that sometimes. He just says, like, oh, this will be great. And he slips it in. Oh, look at this. It'll be a surprise <laughs> for everybody.
2: If they if they <laughs> printed a new Mythos pack with randomly generated cards and one of them was called, like, the Farmer of Racism or something, then they would probably end up putting that on the. Uh, they'd, they'd probably have to put that what? on the frame. Oh, so. sure. Sure. I mean, but that would never happen, right? No. no is top notch. So they, they that's too there, outlandish but... to be even considered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. This is probably a, like a very, very rare, right? Like for for anything to be on this forbidden list, I'm imagining, anyways, because because of the nature of it being a co-op game, and also just because I don't see anything right now that would that would warrant being put on the forbidden list. That couldn't be eroded in some way with the mutated list or changed in the way that the mutated
0: there the limited list would would yeah, suffice. It'd it have to be like, a card that like they have absolutely no way to rework like easily, right? Because like they right, can't yeah. just do in the list. Oh, this card now reads completely different ability, right? Yeah, that would be like the type of change they have to do. There's some stuff that could slip on there maybe if they couldn't think of a clean way to limit or mutate it.
1: Yeah, there are cards that that do very uniquely binary things. For example, like my opinion was was something like deny existence, where already's had a lot of weird interactions and and a lot of questions generated about the way that it works with specific like weaknesses and and cards that can come up like different situations that can come up like the the r team is not going to be able to test every single interactions with these kinds of cards and sometimes some stuff does slip through the cracks for example what we just talked about with the impossible to win state thing where they where they updated that right so there are times where something is not going to work as intended and something like for in my opinion anyway deny existence could could that could happen with that card where it would just render it insanely like bonkers broken and in one scenario though so like that's not something that would happen all the time just the nature of the game i don't think that even even a card that is so binary that it could not be routed in any functional way wouldn't be like would warrant
0: a a forbidden list entry yeah, I think they put it that character there just to like be able to cover themselves later so they don't have to like, yeah, add yeah. it on in the future as a surprise. Be like, oh surprise, yeah. now there's a forbidden category.
1: Yeah. So in summary, for this, what does this mean for the future? This means that again, it's optional. Nobody needs to nobody needs to even even consider this. You guys can just go go on playing your ridiculous Milan and, and uh If you're a baby. <laughs>
2: If you're a little baby holding a rattle and eating eating mush instead of food. And yeah.
1: <laughs> education. Um, but I do think everybody should at least try this. I think that generally when any game is touched by this kind of thing, um, they're usually positive. It's always moving the game in a positive direction. And it also kind of shows that the development team, FFG, Matt Newman, they all care about us. They all care about the community. They all care about what we need to say because we kind of we've kind of foreshadowed this and they foreshadowed this with the ultimatums and now they're making an official move on an optional list kind of of a more competitive type format um for this so I think that everybody should try it. I think it'll be a fun way to, to, to play I, the game. I got
2: to say, though, I mean, you called it a, a renaissance for the game. I think that's a little that's a little bit of, a, of an overreaction. The renaissance for this game was when they printed that playmat with, like, Santa Cthulhu on it. Um, <laughs> and that's just really obvious to everyone. So, I, you know, <laughs> you should try to get what the program did.
1: Well, here's the thing. I think that here's here's thing two not thing one but thing two thing two is this is carving out a future for again the competitive side of the game a lot of people are thinking well uh, some well some people have complained about like the functionality of cards being too good and i think that this provides an environment exactly for those people who who needed the arkham Horror developers to say this is what we decree and this is what more competitive pe- type people will go by So I think that's great. And we're going to keep an eye on this and we're going to try and anticipate cards that might be added to this in the future. Yeah. So that wraps that up. And I think that all of this stuff is done for the greater good. Oh. Oh,
2: For the greater good, you say. Speaking of the good that is greater. Oh boy. So yeah, so for the greater good. So this pack is a little bit interesting in that most almost all the cards for it are upgrades of the multicolor cards that we previously saw in the first pack of this cycle so we have two versions of the 45 thompson um, which originally was a multicolor guardian and rogue card now there is a level 3 guardian version and a level 3 rogue version so kind of like branching off in different directions right so let's go through each of these five Cards That gets upgraded into two different versions and sort of compare them and talk about them. So for the 45 Thompson, the guardian version um, is level three. It's an asset costs six resources has two combat icons. It is an item, a weapon, firearm and illicit. It has five ammo and ammo spent from the 45 Thompson is placed in your resource pool as resources. That's kind of wow. Uh, And you can action spend one ammo fight you get plus two combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. And like the original version, it uses two hand slots. And then the rogue version is also an asset, also called 45 Thompson, costs five resources, has a combat and an agility icon. It has the same four traits, item, weapon, firearm, and illicit. It has five ammo, just like the other version. Action, spend one ammo, fight, you get plus two combat and deal plus one damage with this attack. If you succeed by at least X, you may spend one ammo to deal this attack's damage to another enemy at your location, where X is that enemy's fight value. And again, takes up two hand slots. So roughly speaking, the differences between these are the Guardian version costs a little bit more, but pays the money back to you as you use up the ammo. Almost all And right. yeah. And the uh, the Rogue version does not have that ability, but it's a little bit cheaper. And if you succeed by more, if you succeed by X, you can spend an additional ammo, I guess, to deal this attack's damage to another enemy at your location where X is that enemy's fight value. So for instance, you could attack something that has four fight and end up with a value of six. And then you could then choose, if you wanted to, if there was an enemy at your location with two combat, to spend an additional ammo to deal the damage to that enemy, which is very complicated and probably not very good. So are we calling this the Oops Cannon? That is a pretty good name. Because this is definitely
1: Oops, like, repeatedly, right? Uh, It's kind of like Oops, right?
0: I kind of I kinda like both these cards. I do too!
2: I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just I saying mean, I'm gonna say I think I'm just gonna say what I said about Hawkeye folding camera, which is I would not bother spending mental energy making up a nickname for this. <laughs> the 45 oops. Uh,
0: <laughs> so I I, I kind of like both these cards. The Guardian one I think it's neat that you you basically you, you net pay one for it, assuming you actually get to use up all your ammo. You yeah, get all the yeah, money yeah. back after you play it. It gives you a little bit of a combat boost and has the basic plus one damage, but they both do that. Uh, and the Thompson, the Rogue one lets you potentially kill two enemies with one one shot or one action, I should say. I guess it's still two shots. Sure. Which I think is kind of versatile. More, most importantly though, these are both illicit, which means everybody's favorite Rogue wait can use both of them. But Preston cannot. <laughs> oh, that's right. This, Preston, what? It's too. It's too. Uh, Preston uses more refined weapons, classy ones that are very legal. They're too so. heavy and
2: rough for his soft hands uh yeah so this is he like would, a... he, would, he would need to wrap his hands in at least four handkerchiefs each to even be able to touch <laughs> so dirty an item as this what uh what, what's finn's base fight is it two or three it's three i think yes three? it is yeah.
0: yeah like so he could actually shoot stuff with strength if he wanted to if he yeah if he wanted to use both his hand slots. yeah i don't know there's another kind of functional thing
1: that i think we, we should we mention really quickly 45 thompson um the, the blue 45 thompson can be committed for two fight symbols which i think is definitely better than one fight and one agility yeah Um, although rogues get better use of the agility i think that generally speaking two symbols two matching symbols or a wild symbol and a match and, and any symbol is better than one and one because when you draw your other 45 thompson you might not necessarily need it by that point you know that kind of thing
0: Oh, uh, Mark could use this 45 Thompson, play it for six money, and then uh, shoot all the ammo, and then uh, act of desperation, chuck it at an enemy, get six money back, and debt five
2: money out of it.
0: Eh? Yeah, that's that sounds, eh? sounds
2: great. Yeah, that's the yep, really good.
0: Oh, isn't Mark holding a 45 Thompson? Like, me, his hang, his on, hang on, let me
2: let me let me write this down so I don't forget it next time I go make a deck. <laughs> um, no, I mean, here, here's the thing. You're spending so much XP and money on this, you're kind of getting close to, like, lightning on flamethrower territory. Like, if you um, want to play a two-handed weapon, why wouldn't you play one of those? It's only three XP. It's a little bit less. But... I mean, okay, so, so maybe you're playing this on your way to flamethrower, but well, it's certainly... Not, that doesn't
0: work. Well, um, okay,
2: then, then then don't play it. I think it's, like, <laughs> a cheaper
0: alternative as, like, a second weapon.
2: There, there's also... The fact that you get money back from it, you should... You shouldn't ignore, but you should like kind of ignore because something that is really expensive, but then like gradually pays itself back, is way worse than something that's just like cheaper to begin with. Because I mean, you have to have six to play this. Do, you know? Doesn't
0: isn't that what yeah, Milan? Yeah, there's a does? threshold. Doesn't Milan isn't he expensive and then gives you a benefit and slowly pays itself back?
2: Yeah, but Milan costs four, and also getting clues is something you can be a lot more proactive about than shooting enemies. Like I think sometimes you're gonna spend six on this. And then you're gonna wait a couple turns where there's nothing to shoot, and you're just most of your money is frozen in this big expensive gun. Huh. Six six is a lot. Like six is like Leo money. You could play Leo for the cost of this.
0: Yeah, I mean these. Are, I guess these ammo weapons were slightly better when you could slide a hand them out, but now that that's been terrible, <laughs> uh that's forbidden. I guess. Forbidden. I
1: guess the biggest takeaway from these is that Finn can play both of these. Yeah, he he definitely right? can.
0: They're both illicit, so they work with other illicit combo cards too. Like he can dig for them. Aren't isn't Finn's like uh, signature card? Aren't those also strength guns?
2: Yeah, I think yeah.
0: so. Yeah. I imagine in solo like this would be like a decent option for Finn to have like a way to fight. But yeah, it does use up his hand slots.
2: Yeah, it's possible, but I just think that a lot of times you're going to want to have lock picks or some other hand slot item. And it's going to be Well, notably
1: one kind of cool little little tiny tiny tidbit here with the with the blue 47 Thompson in, in in Finn or in in um Larry Anderson is if you use it with uh watch this. Oh no, and, and double or nothing. Or double or
0: nothing, you get
1: two resources, right? Mm, nope. nope.
0: Nope. Double nothing doubles the results of the test. This would be like a. Like this would okay, you stun place... the ammo as a card that gets put on there. So, no, that would not work, unfortunately. Forget I said everything. So, let's move
1: on to the excruciatingly less interesting uh, next cards <laughs> The Scroll of Secrets. So, this was a thing that did stuff with other things. And um, now, great, great it job is... reading that card, Dave. <laughs> an <laughs> now, excellent job. Well now, <laughs> now it is uh, the Seeker version is a one cost asset um, that has the, uh, level three, commits for two intellect. Um, it has uses, three secrets. It's an item at a tome. Action, exhaust it, and spend one secret. Look at the bottom three cards of any investigator's deck or the encounter deck. You may discard one of those cards, and then you may add one of those cards to its owner's hand. Uh, place the rest of the cards on either the top or bottom of the deck in any order all right so keep that wall of text in mind now we're moving to the mystic cards the mystic uh it's it's the same one cost asset three level three um, but it commits for one intellect and one will uh traits are same item and tome. uses four secrets as opposed to three and then we've got action So you and spend one secret look at the top or bottom card of any investigator's deck or the encounter deck Then either discard that card, add it to its owner's hand, place it on the bottom of its deck, or place it at the top of its deck. All right. Now, Ben and Dan, without reading these, you guys need to relay this exactly as I just said them. (laughs) Sounds really fun. (laughs) And both
2: take up a hand slot as well. Yes, they do both take up a hand slot. So if I remember right, I think the difference between the original multicolor one and the, and the, the Mystic version is that the Mystic version has one additional secret. And I think also maybe the original one couldn't be used on other investigators' decks. I'm not sure about that. We'll edit that out if I'm wrong. And then the seeker version, the difference is that when you look at, you get to look at three cards and then you get to kind of, you know, pick one to draw, pick one to discard, and then put the other one either on the top or bottom. Right. So that's yeah. actually, that's like kind of powerful. Like the original one I thought was very underwhelming. The upgraded uh, seeker version is actually maybe kind of good. So the the
0: original version could only look at the bottom card of investigator deck or encounter deck. It couldn't look at the top. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess the Mystic one gives you a little bit of additional protection if you're, like, terrified of drawing your weakness or something, which, yeah, I mean, fine, whatever, but... Yeah, so, I mean, notable synergies are
1: Daisy, right? Um, Daisy has Tomes. She can use a free action to use these. um, Or or she has an extra fourth action to use these. Right. And Norman can use the Mystic one to... Seed the top of his deck so that he can use his ability kind of you know with it so well he think can, that take that as it is take that you can see the top to of Marvin his plays. deck
0: but he could use it to like if the top of his deck is he doesn't like it he could grab the card from the bottom and put it on top that's, yeah that's exactly what i mean or if he doesn't like the top card he can throw that on the bottom right Do either way yeah, yeah yeah or or discard discard it or sorry actually yeah you can add it to them in his hand so you can just draw straight up draw from the bottom of his deck yeah, yeah so question of whether that's like good and efficient the jury's out Okay, the jury's in. Don't do it. I mean, he can play it for free off the top of his deck,
2: right? So it's
0: all costs in yeah. action yeah. to play and actions to
2: use. I kind of feel like overall the purple one might be fun in Norman, and mm-hmm. the yellow one I would maybe think about playing with Daisy. Although there's a lot of other things you have to upgrade first, probably. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't think either of them is great. But the the Seeker one is definitely like kind of powerful in in the right situation. Yeah, because the one lets you rearrange those three cards like however you want, right? Because these are all May clauses. It's just good because cause like, usually discarding that thing, usually discarding a card is actually going to be good because you're going to be able to either find something that you don't need, like an asset that you've already found and played one copy of or something, or a weakness or something like that. Like A lot of times the discard is actually going to be some value for you, and then drawing something is good, and then the other one can either go to the top or bottom. So like that's pretty good. Like Having three secrets is... I wish it were more, but... Each one of those is, like, a pretty powerful effect.
0: I mean, they have all those... They, there's a bunch of cards that, like, uh, can add more secrets or do stuff with secrets that we've never been really super excited about. Hmm. I think the one big secrets card that's really good is is uh, Mr. Rook, right? He's he's pretty reasonable. Is he
2: secrets?
1: Yeah, he he's is. He's the man of many secrets.
2: Yeah, although I think with him you have kind of diminishing returns because after you've tutored a couple of times, you don't need to tutor as much again. But
1: then he can just take a bunch of, like, horror and, and you know, soak a bunch of horror and you can just kill him. It's yeah, fine. true. True. Sure. Well, he doesn't
0: go away when he's out of secrets, though. I think Dan's point was more like the giving him extra secrets isn't necessarily useful because obviously every time you use him, you draw nine cards. So it's like keeping a crossword puzzle from
1: last week, right? Like nobody wants yeah. that. <laughs> or peek at nine cards, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's move on to like the the way more interesting cards now. Oh, e- eager to get to the drugs, huh? Uh,
0: <laughs> yes. So the next two cards are upgrades of the Tennessee Sour Mash. Um, there's a road card and a survivor card. The road card is level three, costs three to play, and is an asset with a willpower and combat icon. It has the item and illicit traits. It is fast, with uses of two supplies. As a free trigger, you can exhaust Tennessee Sour Mash and spend one supply. You get plus three willpower for a skill test on a treachery card. And then as an action, you can discard the sour mash. And do a fight with plus uh fight action with plus three combat and deal plus one damage with the attack. The survivor version is cost two, level three asset, has a willpower and agility icon. It's an item illicit. Uh it is uses three supply. You can exhaust it as a free trigger, uh, spend a supply, and get plus two willpower for a skill test on a treachery card. And then it also has the discard, uh, the sour mash, to do a fight with plus three combat. But if that attack succeeds against a non-elite enemy, it is automatically evaded as well. Mm. So the original card for this, I believe, had two or three supplies on it. I think it had two. It had
2: two. Each one gave you plus two will for a treachery card, and then you could action discard it to get plus two combat for an attack. I'm pretty sure that was it. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this has the same theme of, like, you drink it, and and then when you're out of alcohol, you smash it and stab someone with it, which is great. Great theme. Love that. And Finn can play them both. Finn can both. Yeah, they're both elicit, so he can play both. <laughs> this of is them. the Finn pack. And, uh, for the greater maybe, good. maybe he would need to because uh, he needs that willpower. <laughs> so yeah, the green card is uh, like the exhaust on the green card for plus three willpower and a treachery card. I think is pretty solid.
2: That is pretty solid. Plus three is definitely better than the plus two of the multicolor version. Like plus three, you're kind of in the territory where even if you're, fi- you're Finn and you know you're gonna fail most of your will tests you're like well with plus three i maybe could pass one if i really needed to yeah this is matching a crypto
0: with just one one you know twice essentially
2: yeah yeah
0: and i mean the discard effect is fine like it's a one use plus three fight because it has it plus one damage it's actually pretty solid
2: yeah like the other not getting the plus one damage makes it pretty useless i think but having yeah. plus one damage me- means you know it's it's like a reasonable one use attack when you need to
0: yeah yeah
2: the the survivor
0: one is i think less exciting because it is only plus two willpower survivors i think so far tend to have better willpower yeah i think that's the reason for that right and like getting a free evade is kind of nice um but if you're already if you're already attacking something I i don't know usually you're trying to kill it so but who loves to evade and do extra damage for evading that's true. I guess Rita uh, could use this to do two damage. Hey, but...
2: it's our girl. And it's I mean, there girl. are situations where you have an enemy where you want to evade it because it's something where like, oh, when you evade it, add it to the victory display. But its it's, uh, its agility is really high, you know, something like that. But yeah. I think that's pretty unlikely. I certainly wouldn't really put this... I wouldn't spend three XP on this for those kind of situations.
1: Yeah, me neither. Although, the, notably, the, the um, Survivor Tennessee Sour Mash... Costs one less, which is pretty pretty important. Uh, Yorick, for
2: Yorick purposes, true. Although the uh, the rogue one is fast, which is kind of nice. Yes, that is a big difference. Like yeah. you d- you don't have to commit the three resources to it until you need it for the will test, which is good. Um, that's not necessarily true. Well, I mean, but you can you can play it during a window where you're taking a test, right?
0: Uh, only during your turn.
2: But it doesn't say play only during your turn.
0: I don't know if we, which we, usually cards uh, say. We ever brought, I don't know if I ever brought this up, but fast assets can only be played during a player window on your turn. You can't actually play them during other stuff. Oh, that's Surprise! For, for some reason, they made a difference between this and the rules. Fast assets can only be played during your turn. Fast events can be played whenever its instructions say it can be played.
2: That kind of makes this a bit worse because yeah. that means that the fast keyword might as well not even be on here because. I mean, I guess if you really desperately needed to do two damage, you could use this as, like, a really bad backstab. But, uh, yeah, not great.
1: Keep in mind, this works with Fence. Well, how does that help? It reduces the costs that you have to play. Uh, Because it's already fast and illicit, it means that Fence now reduces its cost by one. In addition, let's talk about Finn. Let's just talk about Finn this whole pack. How about that? We just, just, like, muse at Finn. Um... (laughs) This he can use a signature card to bring it back from the discard pile, right? Yeah. Because it's illicit. He could just he can pull it back, he can smash somebody over the head again and, and everything is
2: great. Except this card, which is not great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, I think it could be okay in Finn. It costs to be experienced, but you know, Finn always runs the obol obviously, unless he's a coward. Um, and <laughs> he he has, he usually has money anyway. So like the the cost to play it is kind of fine. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Dan, most other people though it's yeah, you know, it is three money that you have to invest that you may not be able to use it efficiently.
2: On on to the next one or one last thing.
0: Yeah, no. Do do you guys hear the Thundercats
2: theme song playing in the background? Because oh, I'm ready. Dean to move the was going to do
0: a, a, a <laughs> funny transition. I see that's what he was queuing up for. <laughs>
2: Damn it, Ben! I I've watched that show and I still don't really get this. I, it, not every magical sword is a is a Thundercat sword.
0: But look at the lightning!
2: <laughs> Is that really lightning? That's more like magic. Uh, magic. It's like
0: arcane energy coming off of it.
1: Okay.
2: Oh. Well, okay. So the,
0: there's there's the,
1: there's the purple one that has arcane energy coming out of it. But the 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 blue enchanted blade is definitely Lionel or He Man or whatever,
2: right? All right. Maybe maybe I won't edit all of this out. Let's find out. Um... <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dan, enchanted blade. Here we go. <laughs> The upgraded Enchanted Blade cards, uh, both are both cost three resources, both are assets, both are level three. The Guardian version has an Intellect and a Combat Icon, the Mystic version has a Willpower and a Combat Icon, they both have the four traits, Item, Relic, Weapon, and Melee. The Guardian version says, uses three charges, action, fight, you get plus two combat for this attack, if you succeed you may spend one charge to empower the blade, dealing plus one damage for this attack. If the blade is empowered and this attack defeats an enemy, draw one card and heal one horror. The Mystic version uh, says uses four charges, says action, fight, you get plus two combat for this attack. As an additional cost to use this ability, you may spend up to two charges to empower the blade. For each charge spent in this way, you get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. And both of them take up a hand and an arcane slot as the original one. Ursula can take both of these. So the main differences are the Mystic one, you get an additional charge, which is nice. And you get an additional plus one combat, I guess. um, Yeah. Okay. Compared to the original version, you get an additional plus one combat when you, when you fight and you can spend up to two charges at once. So you can kind of burn through it a little bit faster to get more plus combat and deal more damage. The guardian version is pretty much the same as the original one, but the extra plus combat is moved from spending a charge to just like the default action. So Uh, Even if you don't spend a charge, you get the full plus two combat. And if you kill something while it's empowered, you get to draw a card and heal a horror. Which is great. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, a big thing on the Guardian one is you can choose to spend the charge after you succeed. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's pretty big. So that means you, you don't waste charges when you miss with
2: an auto fail or whatever. Or if you're hitting something hard. That's a very key interaction, I think. Yeah.
0: I think the Guardian one's pretty good. Yeah,
2: I think I think the Guardian one is quite good.
0: Being able to control when you do the extra damage strategically and so that you like basically always get a card draw. Like if you fight a 3 health enemy, you stab it once regularly and then you empower it in second attack. Deal 3 damage, heal horror, get a card. Great. Yeah. Carolyn would think yeah. this was a great card if she was allowed to use weapons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um And right now Guardians don't really care about their arcane slots that much. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Diana can't use this, can
1: she? It's a level three. So here's the first mention that I will I will make of the taboo list. So suddenly guardians are at... Where, where, how do you stab things now? Because you're just going to take guns, right? Because you're not going to play backtrack. Nobody, nobody plays backtrack. But you might play level zero Enchanted Blade. And if you're doing that, you might as well upgrade it to this because you get some horror heal, which is really nice for like Roland and Mark, who have lower sanity pools. And you get to draw cards, which, hey, Mark, what's better than drawing one card than drawing... 15 million Dane, i
2: most turns when i'm playing as mark i have to discard a card at the end of upkeep but why why not discard two cards and play the red tactics i mean you're 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 not you're well okay i was about to say you're not wrong and then you said something (laughs) that was extremely wrong um so bad bad job Dane. but uh no all i'm saying is like mark doesn't really need the draw but i i do think this is very good i mean and yeah the fact that machete costs two xp now kind of throws everything up in the air in terms of what weapons you're going to play i could see a situation where maybe you play like this and the 32 it and it you're kind of using the 32 when you don't need you know high boost or anything like that and you're using this when you need the plus uh combat and whatever like you could figure it out still get to stab things
0: what are ursula's deck building rules does she have some nonsense of relics she can do relics Can Ur- ursula use these enchanted blades for some reason i don't know if she'd want to
1: but both of these <laughs> can be used on ursula she certainly can. She can harness the power of the lightning slash arcane. What's what's arts. Ursula's fight? Is she is she have one
2: fight. One, oh. but the purple blade doesn't doesn't really matter. I mean, I should also say I think the purple one is decent, but I think that very few characters that can actually use it are going to want it because I, I think Akaji puts another charge on it though, right? And her fight is three natively. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that with the purple one, you should kind of think of it as a thing that you can use as two uses, and each one is like an attack for plus four fight and three damage. Mm-hmm. Like, you should, most of the time, I think you're going to want to use two charges to hit something really big and kill it instantly.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it depends on the scenario, because, you, you know, you could also split that up into four charges and do eight damage over those attacks. Yes,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, true. And with Akachi, she
0: does ten. I think for Akachi, uh, it'd be, it's like a good uh, second attack spell at if you want to do like a fighting focused akachi because mm. yeah i agree she is probably already running shriveling and is going to be using that to do damage so this is like a good backup for her because her,
2: her combat's like a three right yes yeah. yeah it's just it's too bad because like i think william yorick would really love this but he can't play it and i think there's a few other characters that that's true of too
0: oh yeah they, he can't he can't play either he of these can't, he can't use either of these can oh, he oh no yorick yeah that's a bummer yeah you <sighs> can
2: only use the regular version
0: but for mystics using up a hand slot and a spell slot it's definitely like a much harder cost right now. Yeah. Because those are pretty competitive, I think.
2: Yeah, especially because the new card that we just got to um, give you another arcane slot costs a hand slot, right? Sign magic. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's kind of but, fun. But I, st- I still think you could play this in, in a fun Akachi build, the purple one. And I think the blue one is just pretty decent and we'll probably see a lot of play for various I mean, Guardians. Yeah, I'm excited about the blue one, definitely.
0: I think we mentioned it before, but because they're relics, like, that's very, very valuable for Guardians. Because there's definitely several monsters that like oh yeah only get killed if they're like killed by like a relic or a spell oh, yeah yes. the ghosts
2: in carcosa and some enemies in circle undone there's as well. a bunch of them
0: and i
2: i assume that's a theme i forgot will, about yeah, that
0: continue like whenever you fight like a ghost or something you can't just hit it. you can't just shoot it with a gun relevant to carcosa
2: <clears throat> that's a really good point yeah 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 cool yay enchanted blade yeah pretty good let's uh let's move on to the next one though the 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 fifth and final of these multi-upgraded multi upgraded multi-color cards These are Grizzly Totem,
1: the grizzliest of totems. So these uh, are upgraded from the base, I think it's three cost. The Seeker still costs three. It three, level three. It commits for a a willpower and an agility. It is uh, item, charm, cursed are its traits. And as a reaction, after you commit a card to a skill test, exhaust Grizzly Totem. That card gains another instance of one of its skill icons of your choice. If that skill test is successful, the Performing Investigator draws one card. Then we've got the slightly more holy-looking Grizzly Totem, which is two resources to play. Level 3. Commits for the same one willpower and one agility. It's an item charmed and blessed, which means that Mateo can play it. And uh, as a reaction, after you commit a card to a skill test, exhaust Grizzly Totem, that card gains another instance of one of its skill accounts of your choice. If that skill test fails, return that card to your hand. And it takes up your uh, accessory slot. So a lot of people have enjoyed uh, speculating about Grizzly Totem since it was revealed, since the base version was revealed, with two investigators specifically, Minty Pants and Silas Marsh. And I think that these both could fit pretty well into their respective uh people who can take them so silas the survivor and minty
0: the seeker
2: ben you've you've played silas how would the red one kind of work with silas because can't he already return stuff to his hands
0: once per turn right? he can do it once per turn so these car so that would give him kind of like a second use of his ability when he fails on a test
2: because, I mean, notably, like, this is only if you fail. So if you want to take something back because you overcommitted and you don't actually need it to succeed, you can't do that. It's only if you fail and you want to get the yeah. card back.
0: And the interesting thing about Grizzly Totem is it does work with Take Heart in that you can play Take Heart, fail a test, to your hand. get the benefit from, from Take Heart, and then pull Take Heart back if you want. Wow. So you could have Grizzly Totem. You could get, you know, say, two drawing things down pump up the skill test to a lot so that you'll fail it kibbit take heart uh fail the test No, actually, actually what actually would happen is you draw a plus one or a elder side it succeeds still but, uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but you're saying that in the best possible version of this scenario i could just keep failing tests all day and just get money right exactly wow i mean God, that's you could the... definitely win
0: scenarios that way right <laughs> it's the preston strategy actually
2: uh well uh, so... preston i guess this is not illegal but uh i don't think preston can use it anyway so
0: for the Seeker one, it is, like, another min ability where you commit a card to it uh where she can add another skill to a test and gets, like, a card draw off of it, which is decent.
1: Yeah. And notably with, with her with her signature, you draw two cards, right? Because she draws a card and the Performing Investigator draws a card. Yeah.
0: Or, well, if she uses it on herself, she would get two cards, right? That's what I was thinking.
1: Right. Yeah, she gets two cards. Or the Performing Investigator, somebody who's not her, gains a card, right?
0: Yeah so which is pretty nice for seekers seekers don't have any great next slots do they
2: like they have uh, the, the tooth the, of esley is like okay yeah tooth yeah. tooth is pretty, like, pretty i reasonable. think this
0: is like a, a decent choice uh if you want to get a next slot or an accessory slot on uh I so too. if
2: if you're like way if you're just swimming in xp and you've already gotten all of your cryptic researches and stuff then yeah maybe yeah
0: i mean another thing like all this kind of turns any card into like one of the base skill cards right it makes it like a two card, yeah. a two at least two icons, and you draw a card right. off of it. Deduction becomes two book or two yeah. two
2: intellect. It's true.
0: Yeah, look well, like any card. Even if you're like you're if you have like a Milan in your deck, it turns it has a second copy of them. You know, it turns them into a two two intellect and draw a card. Turns into perception or whatever.
2: Hmm. I think the uh, the survivor one. I would just say if you're looking for a next slot item that gives you a benefit when you fail a test, Rabbit's Foot is available and it's cheaper and doesn't cost XP. So yeah. I mean maybe this is better in some situations but I'm not really sure that it's measurably significantly better. Well, this helps you this helps you both with succeeding and failing. Yeah.
0: You can do that that uh trying to fail really hard nonsense I was mentioning. <laughs> but you can also it also <laughs> oh, yeah. does give you extra skill cards once around or extra skill icons once around, which is decent. Also
1: when you need to use it in an act of desperation and bonk somebody on the head with
0: it, it it hurts way more than rabbit's foot, <laughs> which is kind of a soft foof on the head i think it's a, a decent alternative rabbit's foot because i think the upgrading rabbit's foot we didn't like that much did we i don't remember <laughs> oh yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean i would probably rather have this than upgraded rabbit's foot i guess for sure for sure same experience cost i think too
0: both of these cards have flavor text on them that says like we should have thrown it back immediately but how could we have known but the red one's definitely supposed to be like a blessed thing right like why
2: we'll see the, <laughs> why does so it have then, that flavor text on it <laughs> it's different people saying it in the yellow one it's like a you know like a, a good person saying it and they're mad because it's cursed and for the red one it's like a it's like an evil guy saying it like oh no it's so blessed i'm a bad guy i hate blessed things i never should have found it yeah see it all makes sense yeah so one thing to kind of like wrap up the the
1: multi-class cards if we're done talking about they all come with some kind of cool nods to the different artwork. there's like different artwork for each of the uh forms of them, which is kinda of neat. My favorite is Tennessee Sarah Mash because I just really like that art and that should definitely be a playmat. But yeah, they all they all kind of have different art, which is kinda of neat.
2: It's fun, like it's it's like those uh games for kids where it's like spot the ten differences between these two pictures or something. Yeah. yeah. Also
1: Waldo is hidden in one of them at
2: random. <laughs> uh, very small. I actually, I think I saw Waldo in all five. Oh, sure. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe you just didn't look hard enough. Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe I needed to spend hours
1: looking for Waldo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The difference is on the. I mean, it's just a slightly different painting on most of them, but there is just like a couple slight differences in the art. That's cool. I like, I do like that theming of it.
2: Yeah. There is a there is one more card in this set, a neutral card. Um Ooh, should, we, should we move on to that one?
0: Uh, you talking about the council's coffer? Uh, so this is a neutral asset, cost zero, and is level two. It has a wild icon on it, and it oh it has a subtitle of What's in the Box. What's in the Box. The so great. this card was designed by the council at Arco Knights 2017. This was, uh, I, I, I was on the, the other group that worked on the weakness, and this is the group that worked on the player card. And what they came up with was it is an item and a relic. It has uses, uh, one number of investigators, locks. If there are no locks on the council's coffer, each investigator searches his or her deck or discard pile for any card and immediately plays it at no cost. Exile the council's coffer, max once per campaign. As a two, a double action, you can test any skill, difficulty five. If you succeed, remove one lock. Any investigator at your location may activate this ability. I think, they, I think this has changed in several ways from how it was originally designed. I think yeah it, I think it is cheaper and has less locks on it maybe. I don't quite remember. It has but... it
1: has a, a a variable amount of locks. Did it originally have two per? It used to have like four or five locks on it base and then uh... this changes it so that if it's one person it's one lock and then if it's four people it's four locks. Yeah, this makes it scale better.
0: Just in general. So this card uh this this is I don't know I think it's kind of interesting. Uh it's like a fun like little mini quest you can do. You know, put 2xp in, in your deck. It costs 2xp to put in your deck. You have to spend, I guess, 2 actions per investigator. Potentially more if you fail. But it gives everybody the chance to like get a card back. Uh, either from the discard pile or, you know, search the deck for a card. Which could be pretty good. This is
1: really bad. I,
0: I mean,
2: I think it's <laughs> pretty rough if you're playing with multiple players just because the amount of time <sighs> it takes to activate this yeah. is really bad. But, I mean, if you really wanted to come up with a way to use it, I could maybe see... Like, at the end of a campaign in solo, you're like, oh, I just need to make it through this one last scenario. I just need to find my lightning gun. I'm going to put this in my deck as, like, a tutor for a lightning gun or a flamethrower or whatever. Or whatever your, like, big item that you really want to find is. And, you know, if you draw this and not that, maybe you can use it to find it. But, yeah, I I don't think it's great because you can only use it once per campaign.
0: Yeah, that's a little awkward in that, like, you'd never want to put two in your deck because you won't ever be able to get the second one out without spending much of experience. Right. Which should Excel, like, all copies of it or something. I don't know.
2: It's, I mean, it's it's kind of cool and fun. It's just, like, the benefit kind of isn't really big enough to be worth it, really. But it's, I don't know, it's cool.
0: I, I like the theme of it a lot. Like, the artwork is, like, some type of spooky box that has, like, a whole bunch of locks and chains on it. So the mm-hmm. idea
2: is, like, oh, uh,
0: you know, there could be something good in there. Uh, and you have to spend a bunch of time, like, unlocking all those locks or smashing it or, like, using whatever skill to to break it open.
1: Okay, so, like just the math isn't worth it right like that is a lot of actions right to to deal with this thing and unless you get double or two double or nothings on each of these tests and also like somehow pass the 10 difficulty (laughs) test of any of whatever it is that you're trying to do like it's just still like super inefficient i think
0: i mean like looking at solo it costs like three actions basically to tutor one card four right because you have to play it, no, and you, then you play it. You spend two actions, okay, yeah, and then yeah, you remove the lock, and then you get to play the card.
2: Ah, but if you sleight of hand it out, oh, then you save it. You save an action. So
0: um, you know. I guess that's true. Uh, that work that would work only in solo though, because in other it's a uh, in other ones you need help from somebody else to get all the clues <laughs>
1: or you got the locks off. Of Unless you. you've
2: been cranking your your clock for a while, or yeah. you have ace in the hole, or something. I do, yeah, no, I know, I like the theme of it a lot, especially the fact that the thing you find inside it is something that was in your deck anyway, like, oh, there's this weird box, what was inside it? The old guns that I always use, that's creepy and weird, but kind of cool, you know?
1: For those who like Rubik's Cubes, escape rooms, puzzles of all kinds... Check, check, check. Don't check the council's coffer <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, just, just... Just buy a Rubik's Cube, yeah. Buy a bigger Rubik's Cube, maybe, but, uh yeah but uh you know cool cool card it is really neat to get to see what you know a room full of people kind of design is like a yeah you know, this is the final form yeah.
0: i i think it's a like a fun idea of a card objectively not the best but as you said like it could be fun to put in like your deck at the ender campaign as like a one of just a yeah of a fun thing to do
1: yeah so those are our thoughts on the new upgraded cards in for the greater good what do you guys think about them what are your thoughts on the new taboo list Comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at Miskatonic University Radio at gmail.com. Guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Bye. Bye.